Hey there, I'm Nick Rothschild, a sports anchor from the City of Champions, Denver, Colorado. You're listening to the Pro Sports Podcasters. We are the Pro Sports Podcasters, where no sport is left behind. It's time for another episode of the Pro Sports Podcasters with your hosts, Nee Wallace Bruce, Colbert Durand, and Justin Williams. On this podcast, we have guests from all over the world covering every sport from artistic gymnastics to weightlifting. We have something for every sports fan on PSP. Whether your interests are the athletes playing the game, the coaches, or the media, we've got you covered. Fun and informative, honest and engaging. You won't want to miss a single episode. So let's kick this off. Hey, and welcome back to another episode of the Pro Sports Podcasters. I'm one half your host today, Justin Williams, and I've been kind of MIA for a little bit, not because I didn't like you guys, just because all of our interviews are at weird times, and I have a 9 to 5, which is actually a 12-hour gig, but you don't need to hear about that. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm never alone because of my abandonment issues, at least that's what my therapist says. I have the man with me, the one that makes me sound so good and talks everything about NFTs and golf. If you haven't subscribed yet, please go to our website, Pro Sports Podcasters, and sign up for our newsletter. We're Kobe will tell you everything you need to know. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the man, the myth, the legend, Colbert Durand. Kobe, how you doing? I'm phenomenal, buddy. I'm amazing. How you doing, buddy? Uh, today was a bit of a long day at work. Uh, everything that could happen did happen, but you know what? It's okay. We're here. We're breathing. We're having a fun time. So today we have a guest with us. He's a very special guest. He's somebody who I think Nee has been wanting for quite a little bit of time. Finally got this man on the show. This dude, when I asked him what he does, he's just like, I don't really do much. And I'm like, all right, well, how, how do I introduce you? And he goes, just call me Nick. So ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the stage the man who doesn't do much, Nick Rothschild. Nick, how you doing? <laughs> Oh, that was that was exceeded my expectations on introductions. I am a sports anchor at Denver Seven in America, so there's there's something that I do. But other than that, no, I don't do much. Well, that's what I read in your bio when I was creeping you, and I'm like, what does he mean? He doesn't do much. And I thought maybe it's outdated information. I didn't want to be like, you can catch him on, and he's like, actually, I got fired. Be like, oh my bad. Never mind. Catches reruns. <laughs> yeah, this is actually. This is my this is my first gig post being fired. So yeah, this will uh, I don't really do anything right now. Just anyway, kidding. Just kidding. JK, JK all around. So want to talk about uh, Colorado a little bit there? Want to talk about the uh, Denver Nuggets? Want to talk about uh, success? I suppose we could uh, we could talk championships since I'm very well versed in those these days. But you know what? It's your show. Whatever you want to talk about. Yeah, you know what? You know, as a show is based in Toronto, uh, I'm not going to lie. I'm a little bitter that you guys got to have the Stanley Cup, and then now you have the Larry Ob. So, uh, which one? Which one do you want to discuss first? Um. Well, why don't we talk Larry Ob since that was the most recent? But I would love to get into the pain of telling you about the night that I had with the Stanley Cup that involved me placing my very supple lips on said cup. And that's all we have today for Pro Sports Podcasters. Please tune into next ah! week. <laughs> all right, let's talk with Larry Ob, the Joker, the man, the dude, the awesome. His brother just got a leg tattoo of his own brother on his face. I mean, that's family value. I don't know, Nick, do you have a family member tattooed on your body somewhere? Probably not. But Nikolik Jokic, his brother does because, you know, they won the Larry OB. How was that for Denver and how was everything? Well, the Jokic brothers are two of my favorite characters in this entire story because they are just roiling balls of fun and fury. All they ever do is 
either have a good time or make someone else's time extremely terrible. They were getting into minor incidents and fights in Miami uh, during game three in the stands, I believe it was. Nothing that ever escalated to the point of, of danger, but they just live life on the razor's edge of emotion. So when things are good, they're lifting up Michael Malone, the Nuggets head coach, like he's a child and tossing mm-hmm. him up into the air and hugging their baby brother Nicola and when times are not good they're they're here for that action boss so they are uh they're two of my favorites in this whole thing but yeah I think the th- the, the signature moment for Nikola Jokic was not the averaging a triple double in the playoffs it was not the rampant domination of the Miami Heat in the finals it wasn't even lifting the MVP trophy for the finals MVP it was afterwards when they told him that the parade was on Thursday, him basically <laughs> becoming incensed and telling everyone, no, I need to go home. I need to go home to Serbia. He's he, he's that type of dude. Like He's not about the fanfare. He's not about the attention. He just wants to go home and hang out with his horses. Now, I will say this. At the parade, he had a wonderful time. In fact, he, he said after the parade was over that... Well, before the parade, he said he didn't want to come to the parade. He now, and I quote, can I curse on this show? Go yeah, ahead. go ahead. He said, I now fucking love parade. <laughs> yeah, I saw that on TikTok. I was like, oh my God, he swore. <laughs> Which is probably like the dirtiest thing he's ever said. Well, he said it like three times in his uh, in his little speech to the fans there. I think he was just getting caught up in the moment. But yeah, I mean, he's the he's the straw that stirs the drink here in Denver guys I mean you can't have this Nuggets team play the way the type of unselfish basketball that they want to play without him being your best player and that type of personality and that's 100% it also a little bit of Canadian love you know Jamal Murray there too uh, from Waterloo but now hindsight's 2020 looking back at the draft that Jokic was a part of did you look at this guy and go yeah he's going to be a star player for us or you're just like ah who Yeah, no chance. I mean, when he was drafted, it was more likely that Yusuf Nurkic was going to be the superstar and Jokic was going to be a serviceable backup. I mean, he's always had the the passing ability, the IQ, all the mental stuff was always there. But that same mentality that makes him such a gift as a superstar that he he wants to share the ball and that basketball is a thing he's good at, but it's not like his life. That, That type of thing was sort of kind of made a ceiling for him when he was drafted that people didn't really believe that he would be able to give it the amount of effort that it would take to become the physical specimen that he is and to refine his game to a point where he's basically unguardable, whether by a big or by a a long forward. So I think not that people questioned his will, but people questioned whether or not he cared enough to do what it what it, what it would take to to get to this level. And I I remember watching him in that first year, uh, not the first year after he was drafted because he played in the Adriatic League that year, but the first year he was here in Denver, and. I, I mean, loaf of bread was a good comparison. He just <laughs> looked like he 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 didn't really, I don't know, athletically belong on the court. He had the finesse, but was he physically going to be able to withstand someone like DeAndre Jordan or DeAndre Ayton banging on him for forty eight minutes? And that's the thing for me that that has really sort of shined out through Jokic's development. It's not that he's become an MVP because he scores and can basically create a triple-double whenever he wants at any point in any game, anywhere. It's that he's gotten himself into peak shape. I mean, 
you may not realize this, but he is an, a high, high level athlete. And that did not happen overnight. That's been, you know, four or five years in the making. Exactly. I've seen photos of him before and in photos from now and his play back then and his play now. It's almost like it's, it's almost a night and day difference. And it felt like once he got over whatever, not hurdle he had, but maybe whatever training regimen he did that kind of kickstarted things, it kickstarted and kickstarted hard and fast. Now, to touch on this really quick, he does have a kind of a, not a blase, like there's will, but there's no willpower in what he does. Do you think that almost angers Michael Jordan? <laughs> that that Jokic plays with sort of a cool, calm demeanor when, when MJ played, thinking everyone was like always against him at all times. Exactly. That he ate strife in his own mind to, uh, to get up for a game. Yeah, I don't know. I think... Um, I think from a talent standpoint, Jokic and Michael Jordan just aren't in the same area. They don't play the game the same way. I think for what, for what Nicole Jokic is, he's the most dominant big man of this era. He's not, he's not as physically imposing as Shaq, but he's also a much higher IQ, and he's a much better passer than Shaq. So I think from a demeanor standpoint, it probably honestly frustrates his opponents that you can't really get him – riled up anymore he used to he used to go bananas on referees and bad calls that he felt like uh the refs weren't you know calling something correctly he would lose his temper and and that was something that michael malone and this coaching staff actually had to work with him on to to just not you know not so much not get into the game fired up but just don't allow negative things to impact his emotions in that way and and now he basically plays with a resting heart rate of like 48 beat, beats per minute he, you know nothing really nothing really excites him on the court but i think that again i think that's what makes this whole thing work in denver is that he's your leader and that's how he plays it's that equine therapy that keeps him so calm <laughs> yeah what's the likelihood the starting group's going to remain together over the next couple of seasons well Hundred percent. I mean, Aaron Gordon and Michael Porter Jr., including Jamal Murray and Nicole Jokic, are all under contract for the next two years. So at least two years of uh, of this core staying together. The, the the question, you know, it, will Contavious Caldwell Pope be back? I don't know. He may ride off into the sunset. He's had an he's had a good long career. I and he was not healthy throughout that entire playoff run yes. even though he was he didn't miss any time um, just talking to him after games and like watching him walk off the court. He was by a hip injury I, I think he also had a, a wrist or a hand injury so I don't know if KCP will be back I don't know that that's that big of a deal because they really like Christian Brown getting more minutes in this rotation just that youthful energy defensive prowess and, and he's turning into a better scorer than he was at the start of the year so um, not that I, I don't think Brown would necessarily start, but uh, the guy that could s step up and start for KCP would be Bruce Brown, who today um, declined his player option, which wasn't a surprise. He will be back. He said as much in the during the parade. Michael Malone said as much during the parade that the money will get sorted out. Um, the Nuggets are expected to offer him as much money as they can, which is seven point eight million dollars for next year, and then they can. It'll be basically a two-year deal with a one-year player option and. Uh, he'll decline that option again and then they'll pay him even more money after that after next year if that's how things play out but i i actually think he'll end up being your your starting two guard next year next to jamal murray but for nuggets fans who are wondering if this thing could could become a dynasty obviously that's hard to predict but you're gonna have those top four gordon mm -hmm. mpj murray and Jokic for the foreseeable future yeah 100 percent. this has the dynasty potential behind it and i i think they're gonna 
extend them beyond that based entirely on the, the whether or not they're healthy when they get to that point. But yeah, I would expect this core group well, to be together for quite some time. One thing that I will throw out there, and it, this is not based in actual reporting, like Jokic has not said this explicitly, but keep an eye out if at the end of this current max deal that he's on, if he doesn't retire really early. Um, he has accomplished everything he set out to accomplish in the NBA. When he came over here from Serbia, he didn't really even contemplate being here for that long. He didn't think his time in the NBA would be as long as it already has been. He's now won two MVPs. He's won an uh, a championship and i think there's a real possibility that he wants to live his life as a serbian horse breeder and horse trainer so badly with his wife and his daughter that he may you know not not try to squeeze the orange for all of its juice that he may say okay i've done what i wanted to do i'm still in the prime of my life I have as more money than i could ever figure out what to do with it i'm just gonna go hang out in serbia and do what i want to do well, for basketball fans, I hope that's not the case, but we'll, we'll see. Now, I think the beginning of the season, I mean, the Nuggets were considered a threat to start the season, and they ended up on that high note. But a team that you are a fan of, we spoke about last time you were on the show, that doesn't really have that much success, has had some great recent success in the Europa League, and that's West Ham. What do you feel about that? Oi, oi, lads. <laughs> That was okay. So I was, we were in Miami for game four, I believe, game three or four. I can't remember which one. I was at the arena, the Kaseya Center, when that match was going on. So I've got the, for people who don't know what we're talking about, West Ham played in the Europa Conference League, which is actually one step below the Europa League proper, Mm -hmm. but they were in their first European final in like 60 years in the Europa Conference League final. And I was watching it on my phone as I'm trying to put together television stuff and and doing live television from the arena. And when Jared Bowen scores that goal after the 90th minute, where I can't believe that was not called offside, I (laughs) screamed so loud. I I kid you guys not. I got a look from the press box that they thought maybe a a family member had died or (laughs) that I was witnessing something horrific on Twitter. Like... You know, I'm not going to say I was more excited about that than the Nuggets winning the finals, but damn it, it was close. This is not something I ever considered that I would see them win anything in my lifetime. And and there they are lifting a, a trophy, albeit one of minor repute. But damn it, it's a trophy, and I am going to enjoy the holy hell out of it. Yeah, still silverware in the trophy case. And like you said, it's something that came very unexpected to you, so that's probably why it was so special to see happen, realistically. I mean... Exactly. We kind of love those surprises when it comes to sports, those little underdog stories. Uh, I don't know if you can call last year with the Stanley Cup an underdog story or not, but uh, it definitely pained me as a Toronto fan to watch Nazem Kadri lift the Stanley Cup. And I was like, God damn it. How was that experience for you when your luscious lips pressed against that Stanley Oso cup of yours? Sir. Is it? it I don't I don't think that was a underdog story. The Avs have been 
if not favorites, second favorites for a while now, and they're heading into next year's favorites again. So that was that ride was crazy. It's the first time I've ever covered anything like that. And what I remember from it after they had they won in Tampa was we were we were allowed on the ice and it was just chaos out there. Guys were rolling around with like Bud Lights and champagne and spilling all over the ice and you know they're riding swords and children are out there like celebrating. So that was kind of crazy. But um, yeah, I mean, it was it was super cool. And then somehow later that evening at the uh, the hotel where the abs were staying at, of course, they had a party and I had a friend who got invited to the party and I just happened to be with that friend. So I tagged along just to see if I could get in. And all of a sudden, there we are in a hotel ballroom with, uh, you know, abs players without shirts and the cup being passed around. And all of a sudden someone was asking if i wanted to lift the cup and you know i'm not going to say no in that moment so here it comes it's over the head and then lips to cup tasted nice and uh nice and sweet i uh it was one of the one of the coolest moments that i've ever been lucky enough to experience and i hope it makes you thoroughly jealous it it really (laughs) does and i hope your your i believe partner your fiance is also just equally as jealous oh I, i i heard an earful yeah Shout out to my fiance Carly. She'll be listening to this, and uh, she said that I that th- those lips are the uh, or that that trophy is the last thing I'm kissing, other than her lips for the rest of time. So <laughs> it was a good it was a good last hurrah, I would say. So were you in the presence of the Larry O'B then? Yeah, yeah, I was. I I uh, I was in the presence. I didn't actually hold it. There, I mean, there was it, it was abject chaos in the Nuggets locker room as well. Mm. Um, but I think. And I don't know, you guys tell me like, yeah, it would have been cool and maybe I missed an opportunity there, but the Stanley Cup is so much more prestigious. I mean, they make a Larry O'Brien every year for the the NBA champion. And it's it's cool to like, if you are a part of the team to, to have won something that means something like that. But the Stanley Cup, it's the same cup that mm-hmm. like has been passed along from team to team throughout history. I don't know. I wasn't as stoked on the as the on the OB as I was on Stanley. No, don't get me wrong. I totally agree, but I don't know if that's just I'm more of a hockey person than a basketball person. But I just want to know, basically, if you got your hands on the Larry OB, if you'd put your lips on it. And in fact, the reason why you didn't was just circumstance and you don't pledge allegiance to your fiance. Uh, well, I will say I didn't put my lips on the Larry OB because I love my fiance and I cannot wait to get married to her. How about that? That's a great answer. Whether she buys it or not, I'm sure we'll find out with Twitter updates. <laughs> <laughs> so just trying we're... to stay out of the doghouse <laughs> sign up to SoRare, the ultimate fantasy sports nft platform create teams with cards from your collection and earn points based on your players real life performances to compete in a variety of fantasy sports competitions so is a game that you can play this season and the next and the next and the next it's almost like a a dynasty spit on fantasy is available in formats such as NBA, MLB, and also football, the world game. All you have to do is sign up. It's really that simple. Create an account, and then you can start playing. And if you want to go a little bit harder and purchase some limited, rare, or unique cards, you can do that too. But at a base level, this is really just a free, fun way to play with your mates and show who's really in the know when it comes to sports because process podcasters we know our thing but so rare is a chance to go up against us and see who really is the smartest in the room 
So hit the link in the show notes, and we'll see you on So Rare. Own your game. Okay, so now moving forward, we do have a lot going on in terms of both NBA and NHL. Uh, the NBA, at the time of this recording, the draft is coming up on Thursday, and hockey is just kind of all over the place with like loose trades and flirtations happening amongst GMs across the board. For Colorado Avalanche, what do you feel like needs to be done in this offseason to make that next move and push back to the Stanley Cup? I mean, I don't know that they really need to add a whole lot. They do need a they need center help for sure. I mean, losing losing Nazem Kadri after last year proved to be a much bigger hole than I think they realized. I mean, they tried JT Comfort, they tried Lars Eller, they tried all sorts of guys at that second center position, and not none of it worked. Now it it doesn't help that they were, if not the most injured team in all of hockey last year, one of them, and you hope that a full off season because yet yeah, you remember like we haven't really had a full off season until this year like mm-hmm. uh, since covid threw everything into a loop everything has been shortened and the shortest off season of them all was the one that the avs just endured after their Stanley Cup victory to the start of this year to get back on schedule for this coming off season so that's something that actually Eric Johnson reminded us in the uh in the locker room after they lost to the Kraken was we we won the cup we went through the shortest offseason in the history of the NHL and we still like gave a hell of a fight in the first round. And I think if they made it out of that first round, they, they could have beat Dallas or Vegas or whoever. But anyway, so I think, yeah, like second, second line center is going to be an interesting spot if they look to add or who they trust in, in that spot. But like health and what the hell is going on with Valerian Nachushkin are going to be the two big questions because we still don't really know where he is or what he's doing or what the expectation is for him going forward. And if he's just gone, that is a big problem because they invested a lot of money in him. And that was basically between him and Kadri for money mm-hmm. after the Stanley Cup. And they chose Nichushkin. And if he is now gone forever, that is a huge waste. So we will see where that heads. But you know, if you project out to next the start of next season and say Nachushkin's back, say all the injuries from last season are over and done with, I'm not surprised that they're the favorites to, to win it again because they're still that good. When you have Nathan McKinnon, you have a chance to win. Nathan McKinnon is a bit of a godsend, I'm not going to lie. And again, as an opposing fan, I hate him. <laughs> <laughs> now, Denver's seen a lot of sports success as of late, but there is one team I'd like to see personally do a little bit better. It's my favorite sports franchise in all of America, and that's the Denver Broncos. Do you think Sean Payton brings a winning atmosphere to Denver? Well, if he doesn't, then why the hell is he here? I mean, that's that's what you what you br- traded a uh, first-round pick for. That's what you broke the bank if you're Greg Penner to bring him in for. That The disaster that was Nate Hackett um, happened because he just wasn't prepared to be a head coach. Now you went and got the head coachiest of head coaches yep. in Sean Payton. And if he is not going to be able to change the culture inside of Broncos HQ to uh, a place that creates at least competitive football and not you know the laughing stock that it was last year, then what are we doing? All reports from inside that building suggest that it's a totally new environment, that he's established a law and order, and that guys are regimented and buying in and blah, 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 all the culture buzzwords that you want to hear this time of year. But at this point, I've covered the NFL long enough, guys, that I don't care. I don't care about the 
the the talk at this point the prickly sean payton nature his you know restrictions of the media and lockdown and all the fun you know buzzwords that he likes to use in his press conferences talking about um you know the cohesiveness with russell wilson and all of that stuff none of that matters okay in september when they play their first first football game, we will get a sense for how much his influence has impacted this team. And more importantly, next December, when they're probably flirting around 500, hopefully we are seeing a better week-to-week product from this Denver Broncos team. But until we see it in an actual game, I have no use for, for Sean Payton's football mythology and his uh coaching with an iron fist philosophy i want to see it work before i give him any credit do you think any coach is worth a first round pick no no i don't i think in in uh uh, in college i think it makes a little bit of a difference as we've seen with coach prime up the road in boulder Deion sanders that the money they're paying him honestly isn't enough for the attention he's bringing the program the interest and the quality of player that are is now in interested in coming to boulder sean payton to me i i when you get to the nfl you're you're dealing with the cream of the crop and the most motivated and the most uh intrinsically football gifted and the highest football iq at every position it's all the best players and all the best guys at each position and so what you need is to find ways to win in the margins you i think a coach can help with that but to find someone who's truly innovative that is truly making a difference on the field like Sean McVay did a few years ago with the Rams I don't know I think the league is starting to catch up with them a little bit mm-hmm. it's so hard to find those guys that truly truly impact winning and losing and aren't just sort of managing egos and directing the ship uh, along the course of the river to use an analogy there and I think the coaches that understand that that's what they're supposed to be doing rather than our master manipulators and trying to change every little thing I think the, the coaches that understand it's more direction than it is fine-tuning tend to have better better success in the league in yeah, my I have, opinion i have to agree with you there i mean if you look at the denver broncos on paper they're a fantastic team on paper but then again there are very few teams in the nfl that actually look bad on paper to me so sometimes it comes down to how are those teams utilized right every fan base in the nfl that like loves their team will run down their entire roster and tell you that they've got, we've got guys at every position. We've got depth. We've got this, we've got that. Like this is the time of year when everyone thinks they've got a chance. And it's with the brilliance of the NFL because you do, because mm-hmm. you start the year. Oh, and oh, and other than the chiefs, you don't really know if anyone's going to be good next year. That's right. That's right. So you're saying around 500, do you think the Denver Broncos make the playoffs this year? Well, I think they're going to be like, you know the in the hunt graphic that shows up around like week yes. 13 every year 12 13 they will be in that graphic until the very end and you know it's eight or i wouldn't say not 80 it's like 70 percent of the league is on that graphic right like the entire league ends up somewhere between seven and ten and 11 and six or whatever like there are very few teams that are either really good or really bad on the outliers there so yeah i think the broncos will be in that sort of middle ground fighting to be uh nine and eight or eight and nine i think making the playoffs is unrealistic i don't think russell wilson has enough left to be the quarterback that this team needs to make the playoffs i I also don't think they're talented enough especially on the offensive line i I mean if if javante williams 
somehow comes back and plays yes. the entire season and is is himself, maybe you have a chance. But I don't see enough there from Russell and the rest of the offense to be the type of team that. It, let me let me put it this way: if they make the playoffs, they're a first round exit. Like they're they're not built to be a a, a playoff team, in my opinion. Okay, and in the division, obviously the Kansas City Chiefs are favored to win the division, but who would you see as the primary competition for them to earn a playoff spot? I actually think the Chargers are going to win the division this year. I think this is the year that things start to shift a little bit. I mean, Mahomes is always going to give you a chance to win. Um, and, I mean, look, he did it with Juju Smith-Schuster and Kadarius Tony last year, so he can do it with whoever. Um, but I just – I just Justin Herbert, for me, is too good to continue to – allow the flailing history of the chargers to 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 get him down you know he's just when i i and i'm not i don't i'm not doing statistical analysis i'm not doing deep dives on numbers just watch the guy freaking throw the football i mean he is in such command of that position and such command of that game that he now that he's going to have a full season hopefully of a healthy keenan allen and a healthy mike williams and i believe quentin johnson is the guy's name that they draft uh tcu who knows what they're doing with Austin Eckler? I'm not really worried about that. I just think this is the year that Justin Herbert finds his way to the top of the AFC West. Yeah, I think they fell. They, well, they disappointed me last year. I expected more of them last year. But yeah, I, I got to agree with you. The, the Chargers, they look pretty fantastic. It's just whether or not they can put it all together. I mean, I don't watch the NFL religiously, so I have no idea. But that all sounds well and good. I'm sure you guys said a bunch of things that are proper. <laughs> um, anyways, moving forward. So you have a choice. We can talk more about hockey just because we could. We can talk more about uh, good old Larry OB if you want, or we can jump over to the MLB. Um, why don't we talk about how I made Modelo the number one <laughs> selling beer in the United States? Please do tell us. Tell us all about that. I'm just, no, nah, I'm just kidding. I know that Aaron Gordon said he was drinking Modelo's at the parade, and then all of a sudden Modelo was the number one selling beer in America, which was pretty hilarious. But anyway, <laughs> I digress. Uh, you, do you really want to talk baseball? You realize I'm from Colorado, and the Rockies are about as bad of a team as you could find in all of baseball. Kansas City. Toronto Blue Jays. <laughs> yeah, it's close. That's close. No, Kansas City, man. I don't know, man. If you want, we can talk about it. If not, we can talk. I mean, I also got to kind of bring you down a little bit because you've had two championships in two years. And unless Colorado Rockies go in this like <laughs> slugfest and like win, I'm gonna be like fucking. I, mean, I don't even know if they do. I'd cry. There's no like, chance. No chance. How do you how do you like the adjustment to the game? How do you like the new rules? That's great. I mean, I've I've been to several games already this year, and it's so much more fun and enjoyable. Like as a viewer watching baseball with the new the new rules, and I know that like that's probably old news that we're whatever halfway through the season already. But they, I I I, I don't like giving leagues credit for stuff like this because. It, especially the MLB this is like five years too late but they got it right like they got it so so right the game is finally back to being bearable to watch whether on TV or in person so I got to give them I got to give them credit where credit's due actually this weekend we have Shohei Otani uh, Otani coming to town and I'm excited for that like that's where we're at with Rockies fandom it's uh, who is coming to play the Rockies and how can I watch other good teams uh, in our backyard Wow. <laughs> I mean, that's not a bad trade-off. It's it's like a positive outlook to be like, listen, we're trash. But let's see what, what we can bring here. You know what I mean? Like when the and Raptors. You're right. Like, well, I I've I've gotten to experience two championships in two years. 
so like I, I i can't get too cocky like the rockies are gonna be bad that's what it is exactly do you think uh denver could could like the nuggets could do it again can repeat oh yeah i mean look the the, the dynasty thing is a really hard thing to predict. Um, I think in basketball, it's probably the easiest to predict because you have a lot fewer um, influences or variables, right? You have like five starting players rather than, you know, in a hockey game, you'll run through four lines of three players and defensemen. And there's just a lot more people who um, need to stay healthy and need to play well for your team to be good. But like, I mean, Nikola Jokic isn't getting worse. He's he's entering his prime and he's already won two MVPs. Jamal Murray uh, is finally back to being Jamal Murray. We waited all season for that and it hit in the playoffs at the perfect time. I mean, Michael Porter Jr. didn't play particularly well in the finals and they still won in spite of that. So yeah, this team isn't going anywhere. And it, you know, eighty-two games is a long season. Injuries. We don't even know how the the off season is going to shake out as it you know, relates guys like KCP and Bruce Brown and whatnot. But I think if, um, if we're trying to play the dynasty game, this is about as good a shot as any team since the warriors of Durant, Curry and Thompson has ever had create or has had since them to create a dynasty. I think you're correct. And that scares me as an opposition fan. All right there, Nick, I do nothing Rothschild. Well then let me ask you, let me, Hold on. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Like, because Jokic is kind of a weird superstar in that he's not physically imposing and he's very much willing to share and he's a calm, cool, collected player on the court, like, how far away are we from the Nuggets becoming the evil empire if they're like, you know, because when, when teams start winning a lot, no matter how cute and cuddly Steph Curry is, people end up hating the Warriors. So sure. how far away are we from people, like, at large? hating the nuggets i feel like it's almost going to be like a keanu reeves situation where as long as the joker doesn't do anything aggressively offensive and he's just kind of blase about things nobody's going to hate keanu reeves for making another all-star movie and being the lead he's just that guy who's like i'm a good dude i feel like joker is going to be the exact same way i feel like if anything it's going to be a supporting cast like jamal murray aaron gordon probably the water boy so it would take another decent run in the championship for people to start hating on whomever, but I don't think the Joker would ever be a target of hate. Interesting. So he's know, the man. John Wick of the NBA. I like it. I, I like know. it. I don't know. Winning demands attention, right? Winning demands attention, and sometimes that attention can be misconstrued. So we'll see. Well, I mean, true. Unless Conor McGregor and him start hanging out and McGregor <laughs> yeah. starts punching out more mascots, <laughs> <laughs> then, like, I don't know. Dude, so. holy... What a disaster that whole night for my aunt, for the Heat organization organization to bring to bring Conor McGregor out there and have him knock your mask out and assault a girl at your club. Like, I mean that dude, that guy's got to go. I, just enough with Conor McGregor. <laughs> that is a conversation for another time, and Kobe and I would love to partake. We'll have it. We know we'll have it. Oh, we will, we'll have you back next Friday to have this exact conversation. Uh, all right. But, Nia, I know you're listening to this. Anyways, so before we get you going, there's a few questions I'd like to ask. I don't think I was a part of the last interview you had here. I could be wrong. You were not. I didn't think so, no. I, I would remember this very nice gentleman. Have you ever been to Canada, sir? I have not. Okay. It's on my bucket list. Please come by. And when you do, you have to try a dish called a poutine. Have you heard of it? 
I have. Okay. Have you had a poutine in America? Yeah, like a very low-level shitty poutine. <laughs> okay. As long, as long as you know. As long as you know. As long as you know. Okay. So when you come to Canada, there's a place that Kobe and I can take you. It's either Smokes Poutine or New York Fries. It's one of those two. And you can like deck out your poutine with the most random of crap. I like to have pulled pork on mine personally. Kobe likes to add bacon to his, but it's 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 a glorious time. We're gonna have to take you. Number one. That sounds amazing. Thank you. And number two, have you ever had a beaver tail before? I'm I'm guessing that's not a real thing, but no, I've never had a beaver tail before. <laughs> so half of the people we tell this to, especially Americans, they you go eat beaver. Like legit, there's like a, there's a pause and a breath. Like, okay, what? And I'm like, and Kobe will double down and be like, yeah, it's gamey. Like, it's kind of hard to chew a little bit. Oh, my God. But no, it, it's just a deep fried dough, basically, about the size of like a six inch pizza. Oh, like a like a donut of sorts. It's it's more like a funnel cake that's been mashed together. Nice. If you know, if you know okay. what a funnel cake is. I do. I've okay. been to many a fair. There we go. There you go. So, yeah, if you, whenever you come here, we got to get you fat off poutine and uh, and beaver tails. All right, beaver beaver tails all around. I'm in. (laughs) Brilliant. And before we get you out, where can our fans find you on social media? Yeah, you can just uh, either follow me on Twitter, Instagram, whatever, at Nick, N-I-C-K underscore Rothschild. Check out Denver7.com for great local content from Denver, if you care about (laughs) content from Denver. But, I, you know... I try to I try to be an interesting human all around, so I'm I'm not merely a uh, local TV personality. But who knows? Maybe you won't like me, and you can block me, and I'll never show up in your life again. How about that? Well, I just followed you on Instagram, and I see you're kissing the Stanley Cup, and I don't know if you did that recently or if that's always been your profile. But <laughs> since, since the day I kissed it to uh, a year ago, it's been my profile picture. <sighs> Used to be a family photo. That's those days are done, right? So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. For even more of your favorite sports content, be sure to visit the website www.prosportspodcasters.com. On our website, you will find our sports blog, full podcast library, access to our YouTube channel, and deals from our affiliate partners. You can also sign up to become a PSP Insider and get exclusive access to our insider tips, sponsor giveaways, and insider newsletter. So don't miss out on the full Pro Sports Podcasts experience, where no sport is left behind.